0: Hello, I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, food economist Kieran Fitzgerald joins us to discuss the implications of dairy expansion on rural Ireland. And I first asked him about employment levels on dairy farms.
1: Well, it's gone up by about 20,000 jobs uh, because uh, when um, quotas were abolished and Irish milk had the capacity to expand. Uh, you saw a number of increases in employment, uh, not least in milk processing, because milk processing has gone from 5 billion litres over the quota years to almost 8 billion litres now. So there's been about 2,500 jobs created at the processing level. There's been additional farms uh And I think, you know, just before quotas ended, we had about 17,500 dairy farmers. We've nearly 19,000 now, so there's been about 1,500 new entrants. All of those farms have um, employment and extra employment. As dairy growth comes along and the average herd size increases, you go from a situation where a lot of farms are one or two person farms to farms taking in additional labour. The whole supply chain for uh, dairy ingredients Uh, for animal husbandry, all of that uh, has increased. Uh, And I suppose it shows, on the one hand, the the significant impact of dairy growth, but I think it also demonstrates, on the other hand, how when you get an integrated industry like the dairy sector in an economy, when it grows, it actually creates jobs upstream and downstream in processing, uh, in supply, uh, and right across the economy. What you've got is about um, about 9,000 direct processing jobs. You've got another five or 6,000 in milk distribution, uh, exports and services. Uh, and then you've got a whole range of jobs right across the economy, which are about the, the supply into dairy farming. Uh, so animal feed uh, animal husbandry etc cetera, etc cetera, and all sorts of jobs in the economy in relation to distribution and even in in jobs in in your own area of expertise like research and development
0: and if we consider and and, and compare dairying with other sectors are there any other big employers in rural ireland
1: well the, the the rest of the food industry is a big employer i mean the the reality is that when you look at manufacturing jobs in ireland which is constantly looked at For the multinational sector, if they have one job in, say, the pharmaceutical industry, there's probably one other job in the Irish economy. In the food industry, there are five jobs. So if there's five jobs in manufacturing in the food industry and there are uh, 45,000 jobs in food, including 10,000 or so in dairy, there are another five jobs right across the Irish economy that are supported by that industry. That's what's called the multiplier effect. It means that the industry sources its raw materials in the Irish economy, whereas the multinational sector doesn't. So the food industry buys all its inputs in Ireland uh, it buys clearly the dairy industry buys milk spends about three billion quid a year on milk and um, buys its services buys its transport buys all its uh, energy etc etc so the 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 real I suppose core of the message in in the piece I've done on dairying but it's the same for uh, right across the agricultural sector is that in terms of a contribution to the Irish economy and a contribution to jobs in rural Ireland, the food industry is by far the biggest driver of that.
0: And to pick up on that, when you talk about the economic contribution, you've put some figures on it in terms of, say, for every euro that um, is produced in product within the dairy sector, there's, you know, there's um, a kind of a, an effect on the Irish economy. And you have also compared that with multinationals and other Irish indigenous companies. Firstly, can you explain what you mean when you talk about the economic contribution?
1: Yeah, what, I, what I'm what i doing is I'm looking at a number of, of measures of economic contribution and sort of the boring bit that I, I'll just walk you through is that at the moment, when people talk about the economy, they talk about a measure called gross domestic product, GDP. And you'll, you'll hear that mentioned. Uh, the Minister of Finance every so often talks about this in the central bank, etc. In Ireland's case, our GDP is heavily distorted and exaggerated by the flows from multinationals. Because a number of multinational companies um, basically transfer price all their profits for their whole European business through Ireland. And what that means in, in a very real sense is Ireland's official GDP figure is about 240 billion euros, very high figure. Uh, but when you take out multinational transfers, which is done by our Department of Jobs and is done by Eurostat, we lose about 120 billion. So
0: half.
1: Half. Now, so, you know, on the one hand, you look at the multinational sector and if you look at all the debates and discussions about business, they talk about foreign direct investment and foreign direct investment is very good. But if you then look at... Uh, a more real measure of of what a contribution to Ireland is, it would be spending in the Irish economy. So the Department of Jobs does an exercise every year that measures expenditure by all of industry in the Irish economy. And what you'll find there is that the multinational sector spends 20 billion euro. So if you then sort of, you want to make a comparison, you you, you take a figure for multinational exports through Ireland, it's about 200 And they spend 20 billion. So what that says is for every euro they spend, there's about 10 cent stays in the Irish economy. Now, if you do the same exercise for the food industry and for dairy in particular, you get a situation where uh, exports are about 4.1, 4.2 billion, but spending in the Irish economy is 3.8. So for every euro of exports from dairy, there's 90 cent spent in the Irish economy. And that to me is the real impact. And if we're trying to look at... Um, jobs in Ireland, if we're trying to look at household incomes in Ireland, if we're trying to look at ways of growing the Irish economy, then you have to look beyond the sort of the conventional figure because it's highly distorted by these multinational flows and focus in on expenditure in the Irish economy. And when you do that, you find that the overall level uh, that all the, the, the expenditure of all companies in the Irish economy in 2017 was 46 billion, which is a you know, significant figure. But 26 billion of that was spent by indigenous companies and, and a big chunk of that was by the food industry. And uh, so that what, you, what you get is a much more realistic uh, assessment of what's actually driving the economy in Ireland
0: and you also have another interesting value that like we'd never have discussed here on the show but looking at the unit value of milk again can you explain what exactly you mean by that
1: yeah, so I did an exercise on the the, the value of, of dairy output pre-quotas, so for the, the the four years or so from about 2009 or 10 to 2015, uh, our the, the value of exports and the value of output was around 1.9 billion. So we were producing at that time between 4.7 and 5 billion litres under the quota system. So uh, if you look then at what happened in 2017 uh, we're, and and 2018, we're producing about seven and a half billion litres of milk, and uh, the the values are about, the exports are about four point two billion. So all of that means that it wasn't just the volume that lifted the value to the Irish economy; uh, the unit value of the output went up. So we went from about forty five cent, which is an ex Ireland. Value of it so it's taking your exports which are X the plant across the range of dairy products so it's the value of cheese value of butter skimmel powders uh, some some impact from the infant formula sector in that we sell on to the infant formula sector so pre quotas we were two billion liters worth about uh, sorry five billion liters worth about two billion euros. Now uh, we're about, we're heading for 8 billion uh, litres of milk uh, and we're, we're uh, valued at around 4.5 billion uh, uh-huh. euros. So the unit value of output has gone, because uh-huh. the product mix has improved. Uh, some of that has come uh, as well from the fact that butter would have been perceived Pre-quote abolition has been a problem product, but butter prices in 2016, 17, and last year have been phenomenal, gone up as far as five thousand euros a ton. Now there's a bit of a correction in that. So some of it has been a butter price uh, that was better than we thought, but a lot of it has been the investment that took place in the last five years, because the investment was not just in capacity. The investment has been. In, in added value products like the sports nutrition and into infant formula products. And, and
0: and if we look back, what were the lower value products that we had a focus on, you know, p- prior to this?
1: Well, the the, the big um, product mix at, at the time, uh, you know, pre-quotas for years and years would have been butter and skim milk powder. And we had then cheese would have struggled around 150,000 tonnes. There were always, uh, if you like, I suppose, plans to grow the cheese business, but the cheese business is largely, largely a cheddar cheese business to the UK. So in fairness, as well as, you know, a product mix change uh, that, that, if you like, dealt with the demand for uh, dairy products globally post quotas, we've also to date managed uh, and there's been very significant investments in the last two years in, non-che- in non-cheddar cheese output, which is hugely significant in the context of Brexit
0: and when when you mentioned brexit, um on your paper you you mentioned that we have eight hundred million litres of raw milk coming from Northern Ireland on an annual basis and is processed in Ireland. So just thinking about that um, product, what is what's going to happen to that product, say when brexit occurs, and I suppose particularly with this no deal brexit that everyone is talking about at the moment
1: yeah i mean if if until things change. What what has to happen is if there's a no-deal Brexit, we, we have tariffs. So that product will come down to uh, from north the north of Ireland to the south of Ireland. A tariff will have to be paid on it. Uh, and then the product, uh, if it's exported back into the UK, a tariff is claimed back. Now, usually when there is that sort of trade, uh, you have a thing called inward processing arrangements whereby... There is a process put in place that measures the volume of the, the the liquid milk, and has a set of coefficients for the various products. So, if if I say to to the, you know to customs and the Department of Ag, I am going to bring this down. I'm going to make X tons of cheese. Provided I can prove that the the litres of milk coming down coming down were equivalent to the tons of cheese going out, you could probably uh, come up with an arrangement where you suspend. The collection of the tariffs. But that's, you know, that isn't in place at the moment. And what is in, unfortunately, in place at the moment, uh, until it's, it, it's, it's changed, is because of the politics of the border, uh, the Irish government does not want to have um, border inspection at the border in Ireland. So in theory, the the three border inspection points in Ireland would be Dublin Port, Rosslare Port and Fines. Now, it would be absolute madness for milk that's going to be processed in even either Cavan or Monaghan or the west of Ireland to come down to Dublin port and go back up. What has to change is EU regulations need to change to allow uh, a processing facility like Virginia or Bailabra and Cavan to be nominated as the import point. But at this moment in time, that doesn't exist. So it's like Brexit is just going to be very, very, very difficult, no matter how benign you can make it and despite the fact as i said if you take the investments of the likes of Glanbia in a, jo- a dutch cheese project in a new mozzarella project uh and uh, some of the other investments carberry are, are are looking to invest in mozzarella there's there's been on the one hand the dairy industry in Ireland has has reacted very very strongly to try and reduce the amount of milk going into cheddar cheese dependent on the UK, which is great but on the other hand, even with that huge investment and that huge commitment, it's going to be a big. Issue for us,
0: and I guess look, uh, we've discussed it in detail. Um, the 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 issue of Brexit with our our own economist here in Chagas Kevin Hanrahan, and I think look, what you said sums it up too. We still don't know, and it's very difficult to say what's going to happen. Well, it's
1: it's not going to be positive. It's it's a question of how far can you minimise the impact because. You know, who knows what will happen, for instance. If you look at it in five-year period, it is going to be hugely problematic if we have WTO tariffs, et cetera, et cetera. But you then look, in, in you know, over a five-year period, what's going to happen to sterling? Because I can't see how Brexit can do anything other than weaken the British pound. And that's an even bigger issue, to be honest with you, because if we got a free trade agreement and, you know, tariffs were waived and we didn't have uh, a crazy inspection, uh, situation at the port if sterling the values then the value of all of our, our exports to the UK come down and they're still very very significant so that's an issue now at the same time in five years time will the UK produce as much milk as it's producing currently uh, if they don't have the, the EU support system in place who knows but it's it, it's a mess, uh, you know, there, and there's no other way of describing it.
0: And, and you, you've uh, mentioned a few co-ops that are, you know, diversifying and, you know, kind of trying to insulate themselves a little bit from, I suppose, their reliance on the UK. Um, what emerging markets have you seen that, that Ireland are engaging in?
1: Well, I suppose it's, it's the product mix first and, and the emerging market. So, uh, I mean, the big vulnerability for Cheddar, And I think there was always a need to do a lot of this anyway, um, when you were expanding quota, is for non-cheddar cheeses. So you have to look at diversification. Uh, There are emerging markets in the Middle East, there are emerging markets in Asia for non-cheddar type cheeses. So you have, as I said, you've got a major investment by Glanbea, a joint venture uh, with the Dutch company uh, Royal Aware, in the production of Gouda cheese, Dutch cheeses. And again there's emerging markets there and I suppose the benefit of the joint venture is that uh, it's one thing to make a different cheese, it's it's a huge challenge to market a different cheese. If you've never made Dutch cheese Uh, You know, it it can take 10 years to get into some of these markets. If you take the experience of Irish companies uh, getting into the Japanese uh, cheese market, they would say it took them five to 10 years to get the taste right because the the Japanese were sort of used to American type cheddar cheeses, but wanted a sweeter cheese that we didn't have, etc. So, you know, there's been huge investments made in diversification. There are emerging markets. A lot of Asian markets now are increasing their dairy product inputs and having gone from in the first instance uh, you know they would buy in a lot of powders they're now moving to cheeses but we need so there's an investment in a new product mix there uh, and I think that's very very significant but it's like it's 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 a five to ten year period this is all very slow burn even with huge commitment of resources.
0: And finally then um, you know we've talked in the past about this product we have to offer from Ireland and you know by and large we are Grass-based, we have a you know a very clean green uh, product, and we have a very green image. Are we selling that enough to our markets? Well, I I think
1: we need to do more because I, I do think that while Brexit is a potential iceberg, I think climate change is a huge huge issue for the agricultural sector and for dairy. Uh, now, having said that, I think if properly and scientifically looked at the fact that we have. This low emission grass-based system, the fact that grass is a carbon sink, the fact that grass is a sequesterer of carbon are major benefits. And what I can see happening, um, if you like, is that in 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 the verification of this grass-based system, we're going to have to dig deeper into um, actual, you know, almost like a BER standard that you have in your house. The product is going to be judged and bought in emerging markets and in European markets on the basis of verified climate change characteristics. And that requires investment. And in fairness, there's a lot going on. Uh, and I think the climate change bill and the, you know, the the Chagas uh, marginal abatement curve are all moves. But everything is going to have to be verified. It's not going to be pictures and uh, videos and 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 soft, if you like marketing, it's going to be verification of of if you know the the science part of it. Now, I think the other great strength that we have on grass base is nutrition. Though, you know, because in the midst of the climate change challenge, there is also the food. Um, if you like, consumption challenge. And in that context, I think uh, the fact that we have a huge nutritional platform here, I think, will stand to us. But everything will have to be verified, validated and measured. And I suppose one of the areas that I would be critical in the last number of years is this famous market that is represented by supermarkets hasn't to date properly rewarded compliance Properly rewarded climate change characteristics. We see liquid milk being sold below cost and we see milk substitutes being sold uh, at, you know, like if you take a litre of milk at 70 cent and and oat juice, which has very little nutrition in it, uh, being sold at 270 there is a complete disconnect between the supermarkets now and climate change. That needs to dramatically change because uh, while farmers are going to have to be more compliant, verifi- verification uh, take place, that can't sort of be sustained. And it's not sustainable in a situation where the products are sold below cost. So that has to change too.
0: Thank you, Ciarán. It was really great to get an insight into what's happening in rural Ireland and the, it's the positive impact dairy farming is having on it you're welcome that's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Kieran Fitzgerald for joining me on this week's show don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge